when we think about God being timeless, it is a sense of being outside of time altogether. That means that God does not exist at any point in time. He's always existed. Because if God exists in a certain point of time, then there may be a start and an end, but there is no start. And there is no end, so he is timeless. We have to understand who we're dealing with. Because oftentimes we think we can just put things on his calendar. So we always have to remember that it's not our timing, but God's timing. Pastor Martin talks about this inside of his current sermon series entitled, Trusting in His Timing. Follow along in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 5 through 11. And let's listen as Pastor Martin explains. The songwriter says that he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. The reality that we face is that when we are uh, trusting God or we're asking God to intervene in our lives, we, whether we do this consciously or subconsciously, we place a timetable of our expectations of when he should do it and on whose schedule he should do it on. But we find that God is certainly aware that things and items in our lives are time sensitive, but it's important for us to understand that God did not make time to govern himself. He made time to help us to govern our lives. So the reality is when we find ourselves looking to God and trusting him, one of the things that we'll always wrestle with and struggle with is God's timing. It's not a struggle because God is not on time. It's not a struggle because God is not concerned with time. It's a struggle because as we begin to wrestle through time, we are looking at time and trying to make it make sense when truly we should just simply say, God, you are in control and I am in your hands. We see here in the text where, where Saul finds himself where there, there's a problem that has presented itself. And there he is wrestling through so many matters. He recounts for us what his thinking was and what was prompting him. And then verse 12 ends by him saying, I was prompted to do something because for some reason I believed that God was not going to show up on time. And I don't know about you, but I've been there where, where the clock was ticking in my life and there were things that I was trusting God to do and it seemed like the timetable had run off the table and somehow here I was wrestling with God, what do I do when there's nothing I can do? If you look in the text, you find out that, that if you go back and look earlier, Saul had only been, been, been leading for about a two-year period at this point, and he had gathered an army. But when we read in the text, we find out that the army he had was insufficient for the battle that was getting ready to ensue. And I don't know about you, but I've come to understand that when my life presents situations that are bigger than my hands to handle, then I recognize that I need bigger hands to handle it. So Saul looking around and he 
understood that God was his help, but he thought he needed to help God. And I don't know how you feel about that, but I, I found that when I help God, I mess it up. I mess it up because I only know what I know, but he knows it all. So when I get in and I start doing my part, my part gets in the way of his part. Okay, here's how it works. Have you ever put something together? You had an event, so I'll share an example. So I'm in the kitchen and I'm, I'm preparing, I'm gonna cook for my family. Now I'm not, I'm not one of those sticklers that gets in the kitchen and says, hey, everybody out, but I don't want you in the way. So I'm in there and everybody's, they're hungry and so somebody's wanting to make some cereal or somebody else is going to make some ramen noodles or somebody's going to make a hot dog. And I'm saying, wait a minute, I'm cooking, I'm getting ready. It will be ready soon. Just move out of the way. What I realized is that as much as they were doing trying to fix the hunger problem, they were stopping me from getting to the point of actually addressing it. So while they were there, then I ended up burning something. If y'all wasn't in here, I would have got this thing right. But I can see how when I want to get in and begin trying to work things out that I've already asked God to fix because I couldn't fix it anyway, then I begin to make things worse rather than better. And the same we have here with Saul. He had clear instruction from God on how to do, but he felt compelled to do it his own way. I want to say this because the reality that we all will face is, is that time will tax your trust. Time will tax your trust in God. Thus, trusting God's timing can become challenging because everything for us is, 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 is measured in time. Since moving here to the Metroplex, you know, everything is about how many minutes it's going to take us. I had to do that because when I would look at the miles, it was hurting me. See, when we were in Indianapolis, we can go anywhere, pretty much anywhere we needed to go within 20 to 25 minutes. So, so uh, we're invited to, uh, I, was, I was asked to pray on the program of a funeral in Oak Cliff. And in my mind, 30 minutes, Brother Tommy, is plenty. So I get out in the car. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't check it the night before. I should have put it in the GPS. But I, I got up and, 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 and I'm thinking, I'm heading out. It's about 30 minutes before the funeral. I'll be good to go. I put it in my phone and it says 55 minutes. That means I can drive a whole hour and still be in this Metroplex. <laughs> so I was anxious because everything for us relates to time. So when we, call, when we trust God, time will tax that trust because you begin to say, mm -hmm. when you going to do it, God. There's a phrase that most of us have heard, and we oftentimes use it to kind of mask our anxiousness in our trust in God. 
It's the phrase of time is of the essence. Time is of the essence. Cornell University Law defines that phrase in law terms as it is a statement that may be included in the language of the provisions of a contract to emphasize that the parties must complete their obligation on time. Another law definition uh, states it this way. It's a phrase that means that timely performance is an essential obligation under contract. Rocket Mortgage defines time as of the essence in real estate, it refers to a clause that can be included in a real estate purchase agreement that means a party's contractual obligation must be to complete their part in a timely manner unless they are in breach of the contract. And then finally, the Cambridge definition, dictionary defines it this way. It's an idiom that says that it is said to encourage someone to make sure to hurry up. So the reality when we face is that, that when we think about our trust in God, we always think of it in, the ter in terms of time is of the essence. God, I need you to show up, and how do we say it? And show out. But here's the thing you must always bear in mind that even though in our lives, in our situations, in our circumstances, that time is of the essence, God is timeless. He doesn't wear a watch. Because when we think about God being timeless, it is a sense of being outside of time altogether. That means that God does not exist at any point in time. He's always existed. Because if God exists in a certain point of time, then there may be a start and an end, but there is no start. And there is no end, so he is timeless. So when we think about trusting God, we have to understand who we're dealing with. Because oftentimes, and I said this last week, that oftentimes we think we can just put things on his calendar. And I told you last week, he doesn't use outlook, outlook. He does not give permission for you to set up the appointment. He simply gives you the opportunity to make the request, and he sets the schedule. And here's how a songwriter said it. He says, Lord, I've been living like you want me to live. I've been saying what you want me to say. He said, but now I've got some challenges. But then he ends by saying, but anyway... You bless me, Lord, I'll be satisfied. What are you trying to say? He said, listen, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know when you're going to do it. I know when I want you to do it, but I'm going to trust that when you do it, you do it right, so I'm going to let you do it any way you want. The Seraphonician woman runs in, and she's asking Jesus to heal her daughter. Jesus says, listen, uh, uh, shall I give the, the, the children food to a dog rather than get offended and leave as we often do, you know, I, oh, that sermon, I'm gone. Can't believe Jesus said, they call me a dog. <laughs> she said, yes, Lord, I got a need. 
and I won't be discouraged. Yes, Lord, uh, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall off the master's table. What she was saying, God, that I don't need it all. I just need what I need, and I know you can supply all my needs. The woman with the issue of blood, she said, listen, I ain't got to hug Jesus. He don't have to lay hands on me. He don't even have to look at me. He, she said, but if I can just get close enough and not even get up around his shoulder or his collar, I just need to get down by his hem. And if I can touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. She understood who she was working with and who she was dealing with, so she didn't have to worry about how he did it. She just trusted that he could do it. So that leads me to my first point for the day. The time factor can cause us to have feelings of being overwhelmed when we're confidently waiting for God. Look at verse 8 and verse 9. It says, Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel didn't come to Gilgal. And the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and a peace offering here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. He says, he says, listen, I've been waiting. Now, Samuel said seven days. He didn't say seven days and what at what moment. But Saul had an expectation of what time of day that he was going to show up. Now, if you got a problem, you want it to happen early in the morning, amen? Lord, show up before the sun rise. I want to I wake up into your blessing. I want to I wake up and you've already worked it out. But Saul got up and it was still not worked out. Where's Samuel? This is the seventh day. Because as I said before, we oftentimes, we place, whether subconsciously or consciously, we place parameters on when we believe that God will do it. So he began to feel overwhelmed. And he says the people were scattering from him. They were getting afraid. And the Bible says they were following him trembling. And he's looking around and he's getting anxious about them, them being anxious. Because oftentimes what begins to tax our trust along with time is circumstances. Things begin to stir. We get, get anxious. But here's a first note for the day. When trusting God, we can't allow the circumstances or timing to dictate that trust. See, when you're trusting God, you can be aware of time because you live in existing time. But you don't allow the time or the circumstances to dictate whether you're going to trust God or not. Because trusting God is trusting in his trustworthiness. Has he proven himself before? Has he done it, done something in your life before? Has he shown you his faithfulness prior to this moment? And if the answer is yes, then you're trusting him based upon him being trustworthy. Not just because you need him. But our challenges, oftentimes, we see him as an ATM. 
Because the one thing about trust is that you have to get to know that which you're going to trust more to increase your level of trust. But when we only treat God as a crisis manager, see, I, only, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't keep up with all the ATMs around my home until I need some money. Because if we only treat God in this manner of only coming when we need something, it makes it difficult for us to trust him when the circumstances are expansive. But daily walking close with him allows us to build our confidence in him that we're able to say, yes, all these things are true, but I still trust you. Because if we think about the good news of God's grace and his blessing and the fact that he took upon himself to settle the matter of providing a means for salvation, even before we knew it, we then have to conclude that our times are in his hand. The psalmist said it this way, Psalm 31, verse 15, he says, My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Being reminded that, that I'm in your hands and my time is in your hands. And I don't have to worry about time when it comes to you because you can make time stand still if you need to. That leads me to point number two for today. Faith is a requirement for trust, but trust is not an automatic result of faith. See, because faith is what gets me out there believing, but trust is what keeps me out there believing. See, when I get out there and I say, God, I'm going to believe you to work it out, and then something hits me, or I hear some more news. God, you believe God's going to heal you, and then you get another report. I've got to come back and trust God. But as I said, trust is built the more you get to know. Because when you kind of know somebody, you kind of trust them. Single person. Uh, that's why you can't give it all on the first date. You'd have told the whole life. You know, you, you put it all out there. I, I just feel like I can trust you. You can't. It, it's the first date. You just seem like you're a good listener. You just, I don't know. I can just, I can just, I feel like I tell you anything. Don't. You can't tell everything because I kind of trust you. You may tell me enough to, for me to think that you're crazy. I don't know why she won't call me back because she think you crazy. You told it all. You didn't tell it at all. You got you to build trust and then share more. But that's the case in trusting God. As we build our trust in knowing him, we begin to trust him all the more. 
We see Saul in verse 9 again. Saul says, bring the burnt offering and peace offering here to me. And he offered, because at that point, the circumstances, he said, wait a minute, I don't know. And he said, I, 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 I saw how this is supposed to go. Let me do it like this. Living vicariously through other people's life, relationship with Jesus ain't, is not going to, I was going to say ain't going to, but it's not going to help you. <laughs> Because you use their testimony to help build your confidence, but you cannot put your confidence in their testimony. You have to walk with Jesus yourself. You have to learn how to trust Jesus yourself because then you're able to stand based upon what you know, not just because of what, uh, what you heard. Here's an observation. I want you to see that. I want you to miss this. Saul had faith because he offered the sacrifice, but his offering of the sacrifice demonstrated that he lacked trust. He had faith, thus he offered the sacrifice. But in offering the sacrifice, he didn't trust because God, through Samuel, had already given instruction that he was not to be the one to make the sacrifice, that he should not go out to battle until Samuel came and made the sacrifice. So he had faith enough to do it, but in doing it, it demonstrated he wasn't really trusting. But God had already told him. And how many times do we do things that we convince ourselves is an outpouring of our faith, but it's really our lack of trust in God. I'm going to do this by faith. I prayed on it. I prayed on it, and here's what I'm going to go do. Not that God spoke back and told me, but because I prayed on it, here's what I'm going to go do. Saul so had faith. He says, hey, bring it here. Here's what I'm supposed to do. We got to sacrifice. Bring it here. But in doing so, he didn't trust God's way because God says, don't do it without Samuel. And Samuel said, God said, don't do it for seven days. Here's another note for today. Faith equips a believer to overcome, but trust empowers a believer to overcome. Because you have the faith. I said this before. Salvation faith is the foundation for all faith that you have. As you believe God for salvation, you can be, continue to grow in faith, faith and grow your faith in areas of your life. But the key is understanding that because of faith, we can overcome. But oftentimes, overcoming takes a little bit of time. And our circumstances tax us time-wise. So we've got to learn how to trust so that we can overcome because when we look at Saul, he held on just long enough to give up at the last minute because no matter what happens, when you look in the text, it says, as soon as Saul stopped doing his thing, God showed up. 
He held on just long enough to give up at the end. Uh, uh, Tylen, my daughter, is running uh, in a track club this summer. And so uh, one of the things I enjoy sitting out there watching, not, in, not the heat. Man, I tell you, in the name of Jesus, I was... So yesterday we had the men's breakfast, and so I was here, and so we were getting there. So my wife, she set the canopy up that we sit up in the bleachers. We got the canopy to keep us out of the sun. But they, the bleachers were probably, I don't know, 50 feet high. They were on like 44 feet. So we had to walk up all these stairs. It was a good 95. I finally got blessed. How y'all choose this spot? But the thing about it is just as we're sitting there watching some of the runners, there's a young man coming around, and he's, he's, he starts out real strong. And, and I, could, I said, man, I don't know if he's going to make it because he hit that first curve with all he had. The second curve, a little less of what he had. That back stretch, a little less than that. He came around that third and fourth curve. He had given all he had. And his coach was running and said, come on, man. Come on, man. He said, because the coach was trying to, trying to tell him, don't give up until you cross the finish line. And I thought I was going to see a repeat of the week before because there was another young man, the same thing happened. But just, and that young man finished, he finished. But this last week, the young man, he got to be about 10 feet from the finish line. He just walked off the track. He said, those little ribbons y'all giving out ain't worth it. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep your ribbon. I'm, I'm done. I, I. So we see Saul, the first young man, stayed the course, and he maybe not finished the way he wanted to, but he did finish. The second young man was almost there, but he just walked off the course. Saul was almost there. He'd waited the seven days. He was waiting, and just before he got to the finish line, he walked off the track. See, the beauty and the blessing of trusting God is that you may not finish the way you thought you were going to finish, but you still have to finish. You may not come in first. You may not come in second. You may not come in third. You may be the last one to finish, but you've got to finish because you have to trust and believe what God has told you to do. Which brings me to point number three. Don't forget God's instruction when facing your challenge. You can't forget his instruction. You can't forget his instruction. Because the reality, uh, as I said earlier, Saul was only in his second year or so of, of, of reigning. But because he was the first king, 
God had given some instructions to him. Because he was the first king, he'd gotten instructions, and there were clear instructions that were given to him to help him to understand. If you go back to chapter 10 and you look at verse 25, here's what Samuel, Samuel explained to the people, the behavior of, the royal, of royalty, and he wrote it in a book and laid it, up on, laid it up before the Lord, and Samuel sent all the people away and everyone in the house. So Samuel, God gave him these instructions that he wrote down in a book, and Saul had that. But when his circumstances began to percolate, he forgot the instructions. In that verse 8 of that 10th chapter, you see specifically what Samuel said. He says, go down ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down. He says, I'm definitely coming to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. But you must wait seven days. But here's the key. Saw her seven days. He missed the last part. Seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. He got anxious. He had instruction, but he forgot those instructions. And th the thing that we can, we can consider here is that maybe the seven days was a lesson in patience to just see, Saul, how are you going to handle this idea of waiting and trusting and trusting that I'll be true to that which I said? Verse 13 of this 13th chapter of 1 Samuel, look what it says. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord, your God, which he commanded you. He says, God gave you the instructions, but you can't forget the instructions because the situation starts to escalate. Here's a spiritual principle. In times of anxiety or anxiousness, fear and worry, we must battle our mind and our heart, I'm sorry, bathe our mind and our hearts with the Word of God. And I want you to understand this, not sprinkle, bathe. You got your devotional, you get up, you read a scripture, a passage, but bathe means to, to, to kind of get, to, to, to get it all over, right? I mean, I got to spend a little more time working on it. We were traveling, uh, this is kind of funny, uh, we were traveling uh, as a family, and so um, we were, um, a cousin of mine was there, and everybody's kind of in a rush, and so because it was a long journey, every, we, we want everyone to go ahead and clean up, shower, take care of all good business before we get on the road, because we're going to be all in close quarters. And so... <laughs> so my mom has always been somewhat of a comedian. She does, she does, she'll, she'll just say things, and it's kind of funny. So, so my cousin said, ooh, I, I was in such a rush, I, I just had to hit and miss. She said, you did more missing than you did hitting. 
Listen, when you're going through a difficult time, you cannot hit and miss with the Word. You got to make sure you are spending time allowing the Word of God to permeate in you, to bring you into that space and that place where your mind and your heart has been bathed in the Word so you can trust Him in the midst of your trial. That wraps up another awesome Word. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or if we can assist in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. If you would like to join, contact us, or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, be blessed.